0: As far as my like spirit tie, like that's something very, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe two. <laughs> but hey, I I'm, feel. I'm like... over here
1: in California. Spirit ties, it <laughs> works.
0: Well, I'm in Texas, so everyone's like <laughs> simmer down
1: now. Welcome into the harvest friends. This podcast is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday of modern life. And we're going to be talking about issues, principles, and practices to help you do that. My name is Andrew Stroud. I am the project lead for into the harvest and I'm joined today as always by my good friend, Abigail Wilson. She is our editor at chief over at our blog intotheharvest.org. Abby, good to see you.
0: Good to see you, Andrew. I'm excited about today.
1: Yeah, me too. We've got a, a great show. This show is going to be coming out. Um, we do these shows every two weeks. And so I do think we'll have one more show before Halloween, but our listener question is about Halloween. We want to go ahead and get it in this week so yes. that people actually have a time to uh, have time to listen to the show and,
0: and ponder
1: <laughs> and at least get our take on uh, Halloween. So why don't we dive right into that with our listener question of this week? It comes from Hannah Phillips, who some of you know is my daughter, Um, but she asked this question, not because she doesn't know how I feel about it, but because I think she thinks it's a good question for other people to be thinking about as well. It is, what are your thoughts on celebrating Halloween with your kids and trick-or-treating? Is Halloween an evil holiday? All right, Abigail, you have kids. Halloween is coming up. It is. What, What are your thoughts on this?
0: Okay. Um, here's the soundbite. I do think that Halloween is evil. Pause. Okay. But <laughs> not what you might think. I um I th- I, th- I just said that for the dramatic effect. I think it's more that anything that is going to um I don't know, point away from Jesus, away from his kingdom, away from the work that we want to do there um, might have some evil and, um, and there's always principalities and powers that are trying to pull us away. So I think you could get very, um, dramatic and say like, wow, you know, we just have to shun this thing forever. Um, I probably fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I did not grow up celebrating Halloween and neither did my husband. And so we have no, um, like nostalgia attached to it. And so it was super easy for us um, to just be like, eh, we don't really care about it. And so we never made an effort. I don't like decorate for Halloween. I decorate for fall. And I will tell you that if it is at all something we can leverage for the kingdom, then we will do that. Hmm. So last year, an example of that would be, it was Halloween. My kids, well, I may have been the year before, it wasn't COVID. Um, we we're all just like chilling. It was like a Tuesday or something. And we're all doing our normal evening routine of homework. And a neighbor who we had just met texted me and was like, where are your children? I have full-size candy bars over here and like no one's trick or treating. And I was like, be right there. And so I was <laughs> like, kids. Get in the back, throw on some costumes. We're doing this. And so my kids were happy because they got full size candy bars. And we got to make another like connection with our neighbors, which was really the thing that I cared about. So, um, Halloween can take it or leave it. I don't think that it, you're going to go to hell for uh, celebrating Halloween. Um, I do think it is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. And I just feel like right. you should do what is going to bless the most people <laughs> what what is your take on it what does your daughter already know that i
1: don't know <laughs> well you you said it very concisely um i don't know if i'll try to do the same so i would say is is halloween evil no so there we go you get another sound bite
0: <laughs> great but it's sort of
1: the same thing that you said from the other side of the coin yeah. which is um the the celebration itself it, it's i think it's a question of what you're celebrating, how you're celebrating it. So, now, some people would say, well, obviously Halloween, um, you talk, there, there is definitely, for, for many people, it is almost uh, a celebration of the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have never, but we've never celebrated it that way. Um, and so I think, it, I think it is how you go about celebrating it with, with your kids. For, for us, I mean, we did grow up, both my wife and I, in families that celebrated halloween it was definitely one of the the big holidays of the year and we had fun with it
0: yeah so you um, have nostalgia attached to it i have it, nostalgia it's important like if yeah. you have that then yeah yeah
1: and i don't really maybe i'm just blind to it but i i don't really see how it pushed me towards evil or move me away from God. So I guess that's the other side is that I feel like I came out of that. And, and it was for, for us, it was, you know, kids love dressing up in costumes and kids love candy. So to to us (laughs) and carving pumpkins, like there are so many, I think, enjoyable, fun parts of Halloween Mm -hmm. for us. I think it was always about, um, having an enjoyable time with the kids. And so we did have you know there were certain costumes that we did not uh we didn't the kids didn't wear anything with too much like things like gore things that were associated with the occult whether that was uh, witches or werewolves or 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 whatever i mean but the things that i guess were on the darker side of halloween sure. we didn't watch movies that um celebrated that we didn't do costumes that celebrated that so you know we would watch the peanuts um, the great pumpkin, you know, yes. that's, that is a, uh, so we, 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 watch that pretty much every Halloween. And, um, we also, uh, usually watch the karate kid because there is a, uh, a little Halloween scene in there. You have to really reach for it, but it's a, it's a fun movie. I support um, you. I support
0: that. <laughs> it becomes like a tradition. I said, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I do appreciate that for some people, it absolutely seems like a celebration of evil. And, yeah. and perhaps for them, uh, based on their experience, it has been mm-hmm. um, without question. So I think it's a, a Romans 14 um, where you must live by your convictions. And if you, if you violate your convictions, it's actually sinful. So if for you, um, you are convinced that Halloween and cel- the celebration of Halloween is wrong, that you shouldn't do it, that it's actually damaging your children, then 100% you should, um, you should not celebrate it. Um, I think the uh, Romans 14, the, the, the challenge of that passage is if, if you are someone who has stricter guidelines, then your tendency is to judge those who do indulge in something that you feel is illicit. And the flip side of that is if you are someone who has broader guidelines, the tendency is to look down Uh, or be condescending to those who don't understand the freedom that we have in christ so i would just say know your convictions and then be aware of the tendency um, to treat others other believers with with differing convictions in the wrong way
0: absolutely and i will tell hannah that i do celebrate november 1st at target pretty religiously and that involves 50% off candy and costumes that are on sale. And my kids do love costumes. So, right (laughs) now.
1: Yeah. So your kids, it sounds like your kids are getting some of the fun stuff. Yes, Don't worry everyone.
0: They're going to be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think it sounds like even between the two of us, um, we have slightly different approaches. I mean, my kids are all grown and, um, out of the house now, but when they were younger, uh, well, two of them are in the house, but they're not celebrating Halloween. Uh, in in the way that they did when they were younger Um, but your kids are obviously right at that age yeah and it sounds like our parenting approach to Halloween is probably a little bit different but but yeah those are our thoughts on Halloween
0: (laughs) hopefully they'll all turn out I mean mine haven't turned out yet so we'll wait and see but Andrews did and he celebrated Halloween so (laughs) all is well
1: (laughs) you know what's what's fun too like this you know Hannah she does have a young child. And I think Hannah is more conservative than us. I would not be shocked if if they don't celebrate Halloween. So even I mean, within your family, like those
0: tiny little costumes are so cute.
1: I know. Oh, well, they'll definitely be costumes. She's already got, okay. yeah, her three month old has a costume. Great. So that's all
0: that matters. All right, I think we covered that. Well, I if think anyone we else too. has questions for us, now, you know, we can do it.
1: Exactly. So this question was left as a YouTube comment uh, under our video from our last show and specifically under the segment on faith and culture, which had to do with whether modern believers should be healing people and casting out demons. So there's a card to that video if you want to check it out. If you want to ask us a question for us to address on the show, you can email us at info at into the harvest.org or you can leave a comment on any of our YouTube videos. We love hearing from you guys as our listening community. And we actually want to be talking about things that are relevant to questions that you have. So do please uh, ask ask us a question, leave us a comment, and we will talk about it on the show. Okay, Abigail, for our main topic today, we are talking about best practices for short-term and long-term disciple making. And I thought a great place for us to start here is... Disciple-making, discipleship, these are words that sometimes evoke different ideas in the the minds of those who hear them. So when we're talking about disciple-making, let's start with clarifying what do we mean? Best practices for disciple-making in what way? What is disciple-making for this conversation?
0: Yeah, for this conversation, um, I would really describe it as a one-on-one, life-on-life um type of relationship where there's going to be a lot of growth um, on the personal level of following jesus so uh we and we talk about this a lot on our show but if you're new to it then just know that you know we look at jesus with his 12 disciples as examples we look at um at paul with timothy titus so we really see here very strong um close relationships where um the knowledge of how to grow in a relationship with God um is imparted. So that's my most concise way, but I'm sure you have a better like even no
1: concise. I think what you're emphasizing there is the the human relationship uh, approach to disciple making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for us to to clarify that the reason the reason why I thought we should start there is because you know in, in some churches disciple making is more of Uh, A programmatic thing, Um, or it might just be undefined like, hey, we're all part of this church and we're all becoming more and more um, uh, mature as followers of Jesus. Like, we're being made into disciples together as we go through this journey. But we're really trying to, to, to focus that in around you have an intentional relationship with someone else who's younger than you in the faith, and you're looking for the best practices. Um, when you're discipling them in a sh- on a short term basis, or as that relationship takes place over a longer period of time, what are some best? How how do those practices shift? I think that's really what we're we're gonna try to yeah. get at. Today. Right, those kind
0: of two maybe different relationship aspects, but it is important. Yeah. Because we see in scripture, I mean, the great commission literally says, go and make disciples of all nations. So we know this is something that we as followers of Jesus, you know, should be doing. And it's probably not just a class that your church has on.
1: Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's not just a class and it's not just a group endeavor, Mm. each of us as individuals. Now. You can have classes and hopefully you are part of a, a church community that values making disciples and is trying to to pull together to accomplish that. But today we're specifically thinking about what are you going to do as an individual to disciple folks on a short term basis and on a long term basis. So, Abigail, what are some of your experiences in this area?
0: Well, um, I think that it has shifted over time, like what I would define as short-term and long-term, and that makes total sense because I just keep getting older, and so (laughs) long-term discipleship just gets longer, Longer. and you're like, wow, we're still doing this, (laughs) so um, I think like when my 20s, I would have said long-term discipleship was, you know, a full year with someone, like, wow, that's a long time, and um, we both know that we've had people in our lives for years and years now and really walked through entire seasons with them. So, um, I would say that, um, in, in our current season, um, short-term discipleship just looks like someone who comes alongside and really asks for discipleship, maybe for a season, like they may even ask mm. for something specific, like I see in your family, this quality. And we're really trying to make that work in our family. Like, how can we see that happen? That's to me, maybe how I look at short-term discipleship, but I mean, these are just my own definitions. I just literally made them up Anders. So um, is there, is there a real definition? (laughs) Is there a right or wrong to this?
1: Right. I don't know if there's a definition, (laughs) um, but I, I think the things that you're describing there also are true for, for my experiences that So some of the distinctions, I guess we could, we could try to look at between short-term and long-term. So, so one that you referenced there is that short-term tends to be more, um, I don't want to say intentional because long-term is also intentional in my view, but I do think that short-term tends to be more specific. So in the example you used, maybe someone is observing your life and they see certain qualities or with your family and they want to learn those things specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. and so with short-term discipling, it tends to be more specified in terms of, of what you're trying to, to pass on. Mm -hmm. Um, there are certain skills, certain practices, certain really ways of viewing the world, even that, that you want to instill in this, this other person. And then over time, as, as that happens and they do begin to grow in a sense, they, they become more like you, um, as you're becoming more like Jesus to, uh, to reference, you know, Paul's comment in first Corinthians 11. Um, and then it's, it really is, it does kind of shift into more of a sharing the journey. Um, you're not necessarily trying to instill those, those specific Uh, practices or ways of viewing the world, you're really trying to encourage each other over the long haul to continue Mm -hmm. to seek Jesus. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, as just as I'm thinking about it more, even with long-term discipleship, it seems more um, or less intentional because it's, you know, going over, but also, you know, you yourself are moving into different seasons. So, I mean, people that you've had, in your life for a very long time now I mean you may be like they sort of graduated from Andrew's school (laughs) at some point but you are still growing you know you're in a new season you now have grown children so it's even they're they are still learning from you um, just things that when they started they wouldn't have even known to learn if that makes sense
1: yeah it does I mean the the person who was very influential in my life in the early years of my faith, uh, Cecil Bean. Uh, a few years back, we were spending time and this is probably certainly 20 years into our, our relationship. Um, but he was describing to me, um, insights that he had gotten out of the book of Hebrews where, where it says that, um, because you have, um, love goodness and hated evil, um, the that the Lord has anointed you with uh, the oil of gladness above your your companions. That's not a memory verse, but that's that's sort of like Hebrews one. And uh, but the Lord had really been speaking to him out of that, and he he had he was just testifying that he believed that the Lord had given him the oil of gladness as he was on the, the home stretch of his of his life and his faith. Um, and I think what prompted it was me asking him the question, Cecil. So every time we talk even though you're in your late seventies, you've got some fresh word from God where you've been, you've been in the scriptures and God is teaching you something new. And how do you, how is that? Cause I don't know anyone else. Literally. I don't know anyone else that age who, when I talk to them is sharing with me a fresh word that they've heard from God that they're enthusiastic about. Yeah. And so that was his, that was his testimony was that he believed that, um, because he had been really seeking the lord over the course of his whole life that god had rewarded him with the uh, the oil of gladness and so that's i guess that's just from from my own story yeah. that was that was like not a new lesson but something that you know i haven't been there yet I, i'm not in my 70s right and but i would love to be hearing from god and i would love to have that that the oil of gladness so to speak Yeah. Um, At that age. So, so I think that's, that's kind of what we're trying to refer to is how do you maintain those relationships and still be encouraging those uh, for, for the long haul?
0: Yeah. Um, So one thing that I was thinking about um, as like in the definition realm is really, to me, it's easy to look at it in a family type relationship of, um so short term discipleship is kind of the season i'm with with my children right now yes. so they're they're like literally in the house and sometimes you have to remind them to brush their teeth so a short term yeah right i know that was ridiculous we all know i do it every day okay so um <laughs> just it is really life on life, um, hopefully, if they'll allow right. that. I think that's that's always our goal um, and what we try to um to inspire to um around these parts, but um just much more like very involved. And then as they grow and your relationship grows you get to a point where it's like the grandparent um, mm-hmm. relationship where you go visit and it's really amazing and you get a great catch up and like your you the story you just shared with Cecil you know right. you get to catch up with Cecil and still learn amazing things from him
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you are not um, in that same day-to-day relationship that you were you know 20 yes.
1: Years ago. And that really, so earlier, I knew intentional was not the right word because I think we should be intentional in our long-term discipling as well. Yeah. The word is actually intensity. So that's, that's sort okay. of, I, I do right. think short-term disciple making <laughs> tends to be more intensive. Great. And that's really yes, you, you, I like it. what you're describing there with the family. I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with that there are a lot of parallels and short-term discipling is more akin to raising children in the home. So it is, <laughs> it is very intense. And, but of course they're your children throughout, throughout their lives. And it's, it's just gonna shift as they move into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And I think what uh, the intensity does drop, but where we, where we need to remain intentional is maintaining those relationships. And I think that's uh, another, I would say that's another distinction between short-term and long-term disciple making. Is that the number of people that you're going to be involved with in short term disciple making is far greater than the number of people that you will maintain an ongoing long term discipleship relationship with. Mm. And that's okay. Like that's normal. Um, Mm. So that maybe that's where it's a little bit different between the family dynamic is, you know, you've got your, I've got my four kids, and unless the Lord gives us a huge curveball, like that's it. Those are my four <laughs> kids that um, I'm gonna have a relationship with. Now there'll be some grandkids, but that's that's different. Yeah. But in disciple making I think you're gonna have many people that you're investing in in that intensive short-term way, but only a few of those relationships. So to try to put a number on it, I would say in my own life, there's probably uh, not probably there's less than ten people um, that I would say that I'm in a long-term uh, discipleship relationship with. Um, for the long haul, yeah. um, even though there've been probably hundreds um, of people that I've had the chance to to share with in the short term way.
0: Yeah, and I think that um, that kind of comes naturally. I, a lot of this, you know, it, it's almost hard to talk about because it just sort of happens. It's not a super intentional conversation where,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: as the short-term discipleship ends that you all sit down and say, so I think we're probably not going to stay in close touch. Is that what we're saying? And, you know, like that doesn't happen. Maybe, you know, it kind of just evolves, but, um, for you, Andrew, like, I am just curious, do you think that, um, that the intentionality Shifts, um, or is it always the same? Like, are both people equally intentional, um, hmm. in staying in touch? Like, what does that even look like, or does that kind of go back and forth?
1: For me, it's definitely been, um, uh, both, both and yeah, there are folks that um, I'm convinced that the Lord wants me to stay engaged with for the long haul, and so in most cases, we don't live in the same part of the country anymore and so a lot of that involves either visiting one another on occasion or staying connected through technology um, but also praying for on a regular basis and and just being alert to um, those people those relationships what's going on in their lives what are the challenges that they're they're experiencing because for, for most people, we can't do that. We can't keep up with everybody, especially as they're they're moving. we're moving to different parts of uh, of the country or the world. And so it's really um, for me, it's really been trying to discern who are those people and those relationships that the Lord does want me to be involved with for the long haul. And then just doing my part, oftentimes those folks are also part of what helps me discern who they are is those people do, reach out from their side and, and want to maintain the relationship. So usually it's mutual. Yeah. Um, and that's part of what often helps me understand. Yeah. You know, I feel like, um, uh, you and I, uh, our families were, are you know, that's definitely one of the 10 in my life. Um, and obviously we have a very ongoing connection yeah. because of into the harvest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I still feel like that's, like there's a mutual commitment there and a mutual desire right. to, even though we're in different parts of the country, um, the desire is to stay connected and to encourage each other as, um, as we follow Jesus and, and help others follow him.
0: Yeah. I really think that, um, it kind of comes down to my, my prayer life, uh, the people that God puts like continues to put, um, on my heart. to like continue to have on my prayer lists. Um, right. I, I, kind of almost use that as my gauge. Like there's, there's probably about four, um, mm-hmm. for me, uh, that just have stayed with us, you know? Um, and, and I agree, I think it's mutual, but as far as my like spirit tie, like that's on very, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe two, <laughs> but hey, I, I feel I'm like... over here
1: in California, spirit ties, it works. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm in Texas, so everyone's like, (laughs) simmer down now. You were like, that didn't
1: sound right, spirit (laughs) time.
0: Yeah, Um, I'll find a better word, but I I think um, there's just a, the Lord just kind of still has um, uh, a connection there that he has made, and he hasn't really, he's not really done with it yet. Uh, It's probably the best way I can look at it. But you're right, the people, um, for us, we're in a military community, and it just seems like Mm -hmm. our church is always filled with military people. And so it always kind of just naturally, as the, their jobs change, and they just kind of, you know, move on, and we just sort of know, okay, well, this is the time, like off they go, and we will definitely stay connected, but it right. it won't be the same. Um, and I, man, so you're also in a very military community. I wonder if that, like, what it's like right. for people who aren't. Where we needed it. I know, <laughs> I <here>. know,
1: <laughs> I know. And actually, when we when we moved here to San Diego, one of my desires was to try to put down some roots and stay in an area longer than 6 years. Yeah. Um because that's that's really we're still discovering that is what what do those long-term relationships look like when you are in the same physical area. So that's not something I I think I can speak to from experience <laughs> because you're right, you know when you're when you're part of a military community either you're moving or people are moving but almost never are you going to have 10 years with the same person. So maybe,
0: well, I mean, we do have partners that we've been partnered with, you know, Mm -hmm. since we got here. So like eight years. Right. Um, And, and they very much are, and I say partners now, because we very much, um, you know, consider each other, you know, we're praying for each other's different struggles and encouraging each other. We're on different sides of town, but um they're very much um an encouragement to our ministry and hopefully vice versa. Um and then we have the people who discipled us who have discipled us since the beginning, the woods, um, mm-hmm. but that's different. So we don't have any, I mean, uh, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll get back to you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well we're supposed to be sharing best practices. So we've got yeah. a few minutes here, maybe a couple okay. minutes. So in two minutes, maybe if you want, um, maybe you can take just some of your thoughts on best practices for short-term disciple making. And then I'll I'll give a couple thoughts on long-term.
0: Okay. Um, I would say with short-term discipleship, um, really intentionality is key. Um, Hopefully you're doing life together. um, And so that can start to feel very comfortable and casual. And so just staying on top of praying for that person and um and asking the lord like what is the next thing that we should really be working on together and then um really being intentional about weekly time together has been really key um i am in that my mid to late 30s time frame and so the people i'm discipling are now a little bit older just by nature, I guess. And so I'm dealing with their like mommy schedules and their, um, own crazy life schedules as well as my own. And so I really think that being intentional about meeting times and then being intentional with their time. So if they said they had an hour, just be really kind to that hour, like don't, you know, waste time. Um, and instead use all the other time to be, um, very relational and fun and do all the the good loving stuff that I think we all need to right. do with our disciples. But um, I think just actually being very intentional f- with them about where, where we're headed and what we can do together with the time we're given.
1: Probably- I love that because I, I heard two things there.
0: Okay.
1: So uh, <laughs> let me just repeat them. And if they're way <laughs> off, let me know. So the one was that be purposeful about spending time together, Mm -hmm. share life together. Yeah. The second was be very purposeful about the things you should be working on during that time. Mm -hmm. And those two don't always fit easily with one another. Sometimes when you're spending lots of time together, um, it's natural to to be unintentional about uh, working on specific things. But that's a great balance, I think, to just keep in mind with short-term disciple making is, you know, be very intensive with spending the time, but also with what you're doing, the things you're working on as you spend that time together. I think uh, for long-term disciple making, some of the best practices, just to throw it back just a little bit, you know, when we, when you asked about, you know, is that more on the older person or the younger person? I do actually think it's, it's more on the older person. Um, generally speaking, which doesn't mean the younger person cannot initiate and reach out. But um, just speaking for myself as someone who is approaching the age of 50, the folks that I do have those relationships with, they typically are in the, the busiest season of life. They're in their late 20s. They're in their 30s. Yeah. Um, and so I can remember back and realize um, what, that, what that looked like. And so to make, to make the effort to stay connected, to reach out, to drop a text, to make a phone call, um, to, to suggest jumping on a video call and just catching up and then asking what is going on in their lives. I think that's, that's the other thing is um, best practice for long-term disciple making is to be much more responsive to what's going on in their lives than necessarily I think we should talk about this. It's, it's more of what's happening in your family, what's happening in your personal life and your walk with the Lord in ministry. What are those challenges? How can I be praying for you? Again, you're going to do that in your short-term disciple making as well. But I think with long-term disciple making, it's um, it's much more responding to what God is doing in their lives. And then as uh, we, we talked about earlier sharing what the Lord is teaching you, but uh, Cecil, the guy who discipled me, he, uh, one, one lesson that he shared that I think was great is when, when I'm in my 50s, the things that I'm learning from the Lord, those are the things that I'm, I'm most excited about. And so if I'm not careful, then the tendency can be that's what I want to talk to these younger believers about. But I really need to be talking about the things that they're dealing with. So I can share what I'm learning, but I want to be more focused on. What is it that they're up against? And those would be my best practices for long-term disciple making.
0: That's really good, Andrew. So we've talked in the past about the 80, 20 sort of rule where it's like 80, 80% what they want to talk about 20% what, you know, you feel like they need to hear from you. So would you say there's a difference? Has it, does it shift? Cause I'm kind of hearing you say that, like you're doing more listening with the long-term.
1: Right. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Maybe it's even less than 80, 20. Maybe it's like, so 80, 20, maybe, it's maybe 90, it, 10. <laughs> it shifts more to 80%. What are they, what are they up against? And then 20%, what am I learning versus yeah. 80%. What do they want to talk about? And 20%, this is what I really want them right. to learn. Yeah. So it's a good question.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, that is exciting. And I, hopefully this has been encouraging to people and not just like, man, you guys don't know our lives at all. <laughs> Bring in your questions, people.
1: <laughs> exactly. Abigail, for our faith and culture segment, we're going to be talking about the recent expose of Facebook and something that the Wall Street Journal has called the Facebook Files. They've got a whole series of articles and podcasts detailing uh, whistleblower Um, things that that have come to light uh, about Facebook's practices. But we're really using this as a proxy, I think, to talk about the role that technology, and I would say especially information technology, the internet, social media, the role that, that these things have in our lives and how we should be thinking about them, how we should be um, h- how they may be affecting our lives as disciples in the modern world. So why don't you get us started? I know this is something that, that you've been paying attention to at least a little bit. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think we can learn from the Facebook files?
0: Um, I think it should hopefully just be a reminder of the truth. Hopefully it's not a shock for people <laughs> to find out that Facebook does not have our best interests at heart. <laughs> if, if that is shocking to you, then really please take a minute and uh, at least like read an article or do something because um, hopefully it's just a good and solid reminder. And sometimes we really need reminders that the entities around us, like our governments and our, the, The businesses like Facebook and the media giants surrounding us um, do not have the moral or the integrity that we as believers have, and nor should we expect that from them. And so we shouldn't be in an outrage about it, but we should very much be on our guard because it is not a safe space out in the world. (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah, not a safe place.
1: You, you know that I'm actually working on an article for our website that should actually, it better it's be out. out now. That's right. By the time this <laughs> podcast comes out, that article better be done and up on the website, but it, it really actually touches on this. And we didn't coordinate when we were discussing having this be our faith and culture segment. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that I think about this is that we used to think about technology as something that we would use to make our lives better. And more and more, as as modern people, it can feel like technology is using us to to manipulate. To, the companies are using technology to manipulate us or to to extract from us what what they want. Um, and I, I think that's one way to think about the revelations that are coming out of the Facebook files. It's it's really like you said. It's not really shocking. I think many of us probably had. Uh, some level of uh, understanding that this is the way it was, but maybe the the depth and the detail and the fact that it's so it's so known within the company itself that hey, this is the way that it's working, um, and that they're just driving forward uh, anyway. I think that's maybe that's the thing that's like okay, that's the confirmation that not only is it having this effect, but it's it's known within the company, and they're still in some cases. Purposely pursuing uh, practices that that would truly not benefit your life or benefit your children, um, but would benefit the bottom line for customer or for uh, Facebook's customers and and those that are advertising. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I as I was, I think it was the there was one I was doing the the journals podcast, and it was a whole series. And I think it was like four, but it was, it was the one on um, the, the use to, um, to, to buy and sell humans for various purposes right. um, and
1: human trafficking,
0: human trafficking, right. um, even just as like a household worker, worker, but they're in a, like mm-hmm. a slave, a fallen slave. Um, it was gave me pause of like is this a moral thing to even use facebook like they're doing right this. so i think um we as christians today do have some um new challenges in right. in the world that we are in today that may seem different from um, biblical times. Like, where is where's my verse about what to do about that? Right. So, what would you say, Andrew? Like as we negotiate, I mean, we just have to be in the world with these entities. I mean, we're not telling anyone to get off Facebook, but um, what how should we as a believer negotiate this this world of, of these types of businesses?
1: So that's, uh, that's really what I'm grappling with, with in this article and, and I would say one is to not be naive about technology to, to kind of know the score to know what's happening um, and and then to take steps to to make sure that you're not allowing that to, to be a detriment to your own faith, your own your own mental health, the, uh, the well-being of your family which is it's a really challenging one. Um, with teenagers and smartphones. So I think the first thing is to be very alert and to not be uh, naive to yeah. the, the modern day guy. challenges. Exactly. Yeah. And then a, a second one I think is, is to, to be able to purposely move in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and so one, one of the ways that I was thinking about this as, as I was writing was that technology is right now being actively used on you, um, to try to steer you, the Phillips translation in Romans 12 says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways that the world is really trying to squeeze us into its mold right now is through social media or really, really just I- any kind of, um, media, I would say actually not just social, yeah. but, um, and so y- you have to make sure as much as possible, we have to make sure that that um, we are the master of the technology that we're using, and that we're not being mastered by it. Um, and that's a real challenge. That's a challenge mm-hmm. that I don't think previous generations have had to to be aware of, and then to be active, actively struggling against. Um, so that's just a starting point. No, it's um, really good. Yeah.
0: Well, and I want to just let everyone know, if you're looking for that article, um, it is actually for our donors. So um, it's not on our main page, um, but it will be going out or is already out to our donors. Um, So if you want to be a part of that, then you can join our team, um, which is also the information is on our website. I just had to throw that in there, Andrew, because you did work very hard on that article. um, And I would love for more people to get to read it um, because it's really very pertinent in fact, um, in the news right now. And if you are not, you need to not turn a blind eye, like watch mm-hmm. these or listen to these, um, right. podcasts and read the articles. Cause it's very disturbing.
1: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> well, Abigail, I think, uh, we're out of time for today's show. We hope it's been an encouragement. We hope it's actually helpful for uh, those of you who are part of our community, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, it really encourages us in our faith. We're, we're trying to to live this and not just talk about it. Um, And we're hoping that the community can grow and that you can be encouraged by it as well. So we'll be back in two weeks with our next show until then, Abigail.
0: See you later.